0: 10 seconds now the confetti is going the balloons are up six five four three happy 1990
1: back classic nba podcast i am jason and with me is rich hello rich what's going on not too much we are back continuing our nba 20 years ago series by looking at january 1998 happy new year by the
0: way oh yes yes it was great grand day
1: oh yeah absolutely you know very excited to see what 1998 brings us you know it's going to be going to be a very exciting year in the uh NBA, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, maybe the uh, maybe the Jazz are finally going to, you know, pull it out this year,
0: win their championship. I think they have you know? to. I mean, they made the finals last year. The Bulls are reeling. I mean, not reeling, but you know, the Bulls don't look dominant. So yeah, I think the Jazz got a really good chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? Scottie Pippen could be traded any day now. So
0: <laughs> there are many offers out there. <laughs> yeah, Supersonics sure. are looking great. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are looking good. This Bulls thing, I don't know. Huh? Yeah, falling uh, apart at the seams. I mean, how do you win yeah. a title when everyone's like worrying about what's going to happen next? Nobody likes each other. Like, there's no way you can win a title that way.
1: Absolutely not. There's there is no way that that <laughs> possibly literally ever no happen. way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we moderate. can just write them off right now. Yeah, right. I mean, exactly. yeah, they're playing okay right now, but yeah, I don't. I'm not buying it. I don't. I want think you it's to find life.
0: me one example in sports history of, of a team where, that had people that didn't like each other that won a title. You're not going to find it, Jason. I promise Absolutely you. not. You, 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 <laughs> you got to get never along. Find it?
1: No, <laughs> I'm not even going to bother looking because I know no. That you I'm you gonna find it. So yeah. why would I waste the effort when it's obviously not going to happen? <laughs> right. Yeah. So one thing that is interesting about January 1998, well, r- really the, the the mid-90s in general, is that um, there are a lot of the dominant players, and, and I think we're actually kind of reaching the end of this in 1998, a lot of the dominant players are, you know, well under their 30s.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and, and, you know, you kind of, I think initially when you look at the league and you look at the stars and stuff, you assume that yeah, it's just a lot of old guys going on here and, and a lot of old guys doing well or whatever. And it's really not your eyes deceiving you. This is unprecedented—the amount of of thirty plus year olds, and we'll even get to thirty five plus year olds that are are not only doing well, but like really dominating the league, like really on top of the league. And it's not like you know there's a bunch of thirty year olds and, and a bunch of really young upstart. It's like these thirty year olds are the league, like they're dominating it right now. Um, we did a little bit of digging. We used uh, wind shares here, so we find that uh, fifty-six players over the age of thirty accumulated ten plus win shares in a season um, in in the history of the NBA, and this is until you know, obviously, the current day. Uh, for decade, uh, decade by decade comparison, there was more than double this decade than the next closest decade, which is the '70s. So here's the breakdown. Here, uh, I didn't include the '40s because there was only, I think, like you know, nineteen forty-nine was the only one that really got included there. So nineteen um, fifties, there was three. Uh, players, 30-plus, that had 10-plus win-share seasons. Uh, 1960s, you get 19. The 1970s, our first big blip, we get to, uh, 26. Well, that goes down in the 80s, back down to 26. The 1990s, 56. <laughs> 56 players, 30 or older, with 10-plus win-share seasons. Insane. Uh If we kind of peek into the future, too, you might think, oh, well, that's just kind of common, you know, nutrition, yada, yada the 2000s 46 so it 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 drops you know obviously the 2000s are still right up there with um you know the 56 but it's a 10 you know player drop off or whatever and then to date in the 2010s and you know obviously we only have a few years left there's only 20 so i don't think that i mean unless you know all of a sudden there's going to be a bunch of dudes we got yeah, 20 this year as well so it it was it was really just an old man's game in in that decade and um if we break it down year by year as well we see that the years with the most players that had 30 plus uh thirty plus year old with with ten plus win shares. Uh nineteen ninety seven had twelve. Twelve players in the nineteen ninety seven. And this is this, that's ninety six ninety seven uh for the record. Uh nineteen ninety six, uh eight. 1972, 7, so that's where the 70s kind of pop up again in there again. 1995, 7, and then the year that we're really focusing on right now, uh, they have 7 as well. So, I mean, obviously, you look at that, 6 of the top 10 years historically uh, are in the 90s of, of, of years where, you know, the amount of players getting 10 plus win shares 30 plus years old or whatever. Uh, if we expand that to 35 plus, it's not quite as impressive for the 90s, but it's still pretty good. Uh, historically, there have been 19 seasons uh, all time when someone 35 or older uh, had 10 plus win shares. Uh, 1970s, you get 2. 1980s, you get Five, largely propped up by Kareem. Kareem, I think, had four years, you know, 35 plus, still getting 10 plus win shares. 1990s, only two. Uh, the 2000s, you get nine. So you get a little bit of those guys in the 90s that were, were getting older, then, you know, sort of got to the next level. Carmelo has a few in there, I know for a fact. Uh, in the 2010s, you only have one. Uh, what's interesting, though, the league leaders in NBA win shares during the 90s they feature four 30 plus year olds Michael Jordan, 96, 97, and then Carmelo, 98, 99. So they're leading the league a lot of those years. We're talking 96 through 99, somebody 30 plus years old is, 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 you know, doing it, but it's, it's, it's kind of nuts here. And there's pretty much, as you said, um, kind of at the top, this is kind of the last year of the trend though, because we do see a big drop-off. I mean, a, a 10-player drop-off in, in the 2000s and you know, some guys still hung around in the 2010s, obviously it would go completely away, but you know this year really cuts it off because Jordan's obviously going to retire. Uh, guys like a Robinson, Hakeem, Ewing, Barkley, and Pippen all kind of fall off and and stop becoming those all-time great players. And Malone wins the MVP in 1999 and then, you know, after that it's really all MVP winners in their 20s. You know, you get the Kobe's, the Duncans, and obviously into the LeBron years and stuff. So this is really a uh, uh, a pretty big deal, but, uh, it's it does kind of speak to the NBA's you know, we, we always talk about what, what was the reasons why in the 2000s, the NBA's kind of struggled a little bit and, and, and people a lot of times point to like all the stars almost ending uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, this year or the next year all those kind of big 30-year-old guys that had propped up the league for so many years, they're either gone or they're not the same, you know, players, and that next generation just wasn't there yet to sort of step it up or, or do anything, but it's kind of weird because it's not like there was this generation that wasn't doing well, it was just that these 30-year-olds were just playing their asses off, you know, into the you know, an unprecedented length of, of of your careers. And I'm, I'm not quite sure I know exactly how or, or why that happened. I don't know if it was just a rare case of these guys just being all time greats all at the same time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. You know, there were some, some weaker drafts in the late eighties and early nineties, you know, kind of like, uh, like, uh, 86 to 91 ish, you know, where there were, you know, the, uh, there were some years where it just was really bad. There were some years where like, you know, uh, some really good players were drafted, but not quite like elite, like MVP level players. Like, you know, Gary Payton came out in 1990 and he was never quite, you know, MVP level, but he was obviously all NBA level. But yeah, I mean, if you look at kind of the mid nineties, the guys who are, you know, winning MVP or, or up there, it's, you know, guys like Akeem, um, you know, Ewing's, you know, perennial candidate, obviously Jordan, you know, Barkley, and and those guys are all kind of reaching that point when they're, you know, either like 29 or into their, um, thirties and the guys who are like emerging, you know, Shaq obviously is there, but like Shaq, even though he was, you know, he played really well and he was on some good teams, he was kind of seen as a little bit of a disappointment. He dealt with some injuries there and and was not, you know, winning MVPs. Um, you know, it was usually like, he sometimes fell into the top five in MVP, but like usually was well behind the winner. Um, but yeah, you know, whatever reason, obviously, you know, I think Malone and Jordan are really, you know, like the the, the key guys who are really um, just performing, you know, based way far based on what you would expect based on their age. I mean, um, some of the guys as are getting into their mid to late 30s, you know, Hakeem and Ewing are falling off a little bit, all those are really good, um, you know, Robinson and, and Pippen, but there's not really, you know— those guys in their mid to young 20s, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, they're, they're just kind of not quite reaching what you would – you know, things are going to happen that are are not quite, you know, getting them where they're, you know, taking over. Like Shaq isn't quite – even though he's awesome, he's not quite supplanting, you know, the, these other guys as, you know, as the best player in the league. They're, they're going to have to kind of fall, leave the league or fall off before that's really going to happen. You know, Grant Hill, obviously, he's he's really good, but he's going to deal with the injuries in the mm-hmm. future. Same with Penny Hardaway. And there aren't, like, a whole lot of guys, you know, up until, as you talked about, you know, obviously Duncan has come in league, like, He's a rookie. You know, Kobe's emerging in his second year. Iverson. You know, Jason Kidd's, you know, about to kind of come along. You know, th- those guys... um you know, I, I don't know if it's just a matter of just clearing the older guys out of there or if it's just a, you know, it took a while for them to kind of emerge. Or Yeah,
0: and that, that's what I kind of wonder too, the clearing out, because that, that might be a thing where it's like, you know, we're just going to keep going with this guy because why not? We don't have somebody else really ready in the wings or whatever, and that's maybe right. why a lot of these guys accumulated these seasons because it's not like every one of these seasons is an awesome season. A lot of times you can just accumulate win shares by just playing a lot and scoring a lot and doing that, and that might be an issue too, where it's like there's no need to, pu- you know, because we get guys like, a, a, you, know, you know, Kevin Willis, is, but he obviously it goes on for for many, you know, much longer, or whatever. But there are a lot of guys that that. You know, you look at their seasons, they're not great seasons. They're not, you know, elite level seasons. They're just good seasons where these guys get a lot of opportunities and whatever. Of course, we're not talking about the Jordans and, the, and some of these guys are still doing, you know, real good, but that could be a thing too, where it's like, well, we don't have a guy to supplement, you know, or, or, or supplant this guy. So, you know, we'll just go with this 30 year old or we'll go with the older guy. Whereas, you know, now you might want to be more inclined to, you know, get that guy out of there and, and go towards, you know, younger uh, teams so you don't see it quite as much. But I don't know. It, it, it was a fascinating decade, definitely, for the 30 year olds.
1: Yeah. We're going to have to look and see if there were any. Any, um, you know, trend pieces on, okay, yeah, these guys are, you know, in their 30s are are performing at levels we haven't really seen before, whether that was something that was really, you know, particularly noticed at the time. Um, and also, yeah, I, I know at the time there was definitely anxiety over the idea of, like, you know this this new younger generation. You know they don't they don't appreciate you know this as as much as you know guys like Jordan did. They don't have the same work ethic. Like and you know, there's there's a lot of anxiety over you know, with commentators and, and maybe fans over you know this new generation supplanting the other one after so many years. We'll to to look, kind of look more and maybe next month or you know as we move on, I think it's especially going to come in the '99 season with the lockout and all that good stuff um about um you know kind of the the fears of what's going to happen in the NBA. Is these guys are retiring and these you know new guys guys uh you may be who are perceived to have or or have you know these flaws that you know are we're, the, this generation is the league is not as good a hand with generation as it was with the past generation whether right. that's true or not the idea that behind that so interesting stuff so another thing we um we we I forget who gave us this idea to be honest, but uh, one of our one of our great Twitter followers, I'm sorry for forgetting offhand, who uh, gave us this idea. But the idea of looking at um, so so league pass was a thing, but obviously the internet in '98 is not what it is today, so it is not as is not widespread. But the idea of league pass rankings of which teams we would want to you know, just just watch in 1998, um, you know, looking at the teams that might be most fun to watch or up and coming teams or you know whatever choice you might want to make, um, aesthetically, um, looking at what teams might be the most interesting. So, so you, you kind of broke it down a little bit. You know, we, we looked at the idea of, okay, looking at younger teams, looking at teams that were obviously, you don't want to watch a team. That's going to get beat, you know, really badly every time looking at teams that, you know, play at a decent pace and, you know, can actually get the ball in the basket and you know, might move the ball around and, and, and things like that. So you, so you kind of broke that down a little bit into, into some categories.
0: Yeah. So just kind of looking at, um, you know, different guys and, and different teams, and, and depending on, and this is a lot, of, I think, what we value, and you might value completely different things, you know, in terms of like, we, I valued, and, and, and you kind of agree as well. I like a young team. I like, a, you know, a team that plays fast, as you said. I like a team that wins a lot, you know, and wins by a lot and stuff. So there was kind of some fun ones to look at there. Uh, in terms of like ages, I mean, obviously, the, the teams that you look at, the youngest teams in the league, the Boston Celtics, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, Toronto Raptors, 76ers, Clippers. Eh, I don't know if you're going to want to watch too many of those because their margins of victories are not good because they lose a lot, including uh, Toronto Raptors, who lose by almost 10 points every time out so uh maybe not the best but they're they're, you know a pretty exciting team with some stuff there uh then you got some older teams you got the Rockets are the oldest team in the league the Bulls uh the Supersonics Magic and the Knicks but as far as those I mean you kind of have to weigh that a little bit where the Bulls are you know in terms of margin of victory they're winning by seven points every game uh the Supersonics are winning by seven points Another part about that, too, is you want a team that just wins all the time by a lot? Like, because that's, you know, sort of the argument that people make today about the Golden State Warriors. Like, yeah, they're fun to watch, but is it really that much? You mean, you kind of want to watch close games, too. So that's kind of you have to weigh that a little bit. But in terms of, like, margin of victory... um the team's with the most margin of victory. I feel like I see a team lose a lot. Like, a lot and a lot. The Denver Nuggets are good. They're at minus 11. I yeah. uh, They lose by almost uh, 12 points a game. As I mentioned, the Raptors, uh, the Golden State Warriors lose by about 9 a game. Uh, the Clippers, the Grizzlies. Uh, if you get to games that are close here, it's kind of funny. The Houston Rockets, they are... Uh, margin of victory is minus uh, .7. So they, uh, you know, they'll, they'll lose by about a point, And that's, you know, kind of a fun team. Because obviously that's a, a team that's sort of on the rise in, in, in some way. Or people might think they're sort of on the rise. Or they're, you know, a veteran team. you got Bar- so it, it seemed like they should be a little bit better, but they're you know just barely losing every game in terms of teams just barely winning. The Wizards are a fun one; they're just winning by about 0.5 points uh, per game. The Timberwolves are winning by about 0.7, and they're both pretty interesting teams because they're young, they're developing, and, and you'll talk a little bit about them here. Where there's got some you know young stars, you know a young team, kind of a young nu- nucleus coming together for both those teams. So that's kind of fun. The Blazers are winning by only about a point uh, per game, and uh, if you want to look up for blowouts, you got the Jazz; they're winning by nearly seven. Uh, the Bulls are winning by over seven. The Supersonics are winning by over seven. And I thought this was the most interesting, the Lakers winning by almost over, uh, almost eight points a game. So pretty cool there. Uh, in terms of offensive rank, so here's the teams that with the best offenses. Uh, the Jazz, I would never have expected the Jazz to points per 100 possessions. But there you go, I always thought they played like, slow as shit and boring as hell. But uh, I guess they kind of did, but it, it was working here for 112.7 uh, 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 points per 100 possessions. Uh, the Lakers at 111, uh, Seattle Super Sound at 111, uh, Indiana Pacers at 108. Uh, As far as worst offenses, again, you probably don't want to watch these, but uh, the Golden State Warriors, the Denver Nuggets, Dallas Mavericks, uh, Sacramento Kings, Toronto Raptors. There and then, the last thing we looked at is pace because obviously, uh, and especially in this end, <laughs> in this era of the NBA, uh, you probably want to find a team that plays pretty fast. So you're not going to watch the Orlando Magic because their pace is 87.1, an excruciating 87.1. Uh The Hawks at 87.7, the uh, Indiana Pacers at 87.9, Miami Heat at 87.9 as well. Uh, then you look at the highest pace teams, and again, this Lakers team comes up. So that's going to be interesting. Want to talk about here? Uh, 93.6. So that that is the highest pace this year. I know that seems <laughs> insane because I believe that's like the second lowest. Pace pace or, or maybe tied for the lowest pace you know this current season but that was the best we could do in 1997 so uh 93.6 for the lakers uh 93.3 for the boston celtics the young boston celtics that's so kind of a fun team there uh the timberwolves this is a team that's kind of emerging here that you know they have a lot of close games young team young nucleus uh their pace 92.6 and then toronto raptors if you want to watch them lose and and kind of go quickly uh there you go 92.6 for them and the clippers at 92.4 so unfortunately a lot of teams that had uh play with a high pace are also terrible so that's uh kind of a, a way to rank it there so yeah i don't I don't know jason did you have a uh, list of teams that you're uh, putting up on your your, your league pass rankings
1: I did, yes. So um, we talked about them before, how fun they were. But the uh, the Phoenix Suns, I mean, they've got uh, they've got Jason Kidd and Kevin Johnson and Steve Nash, and um, you know, so a lot of uh, a lot of great passing there. They do play, you know, some of those they did play, they play those guys actually like in three guard lineups. They played really small, you know, once in a while. But they also, you know, they, they have like an interesting mix of uh, big guys. You know, Clifford Robinson, Antonio McDice, Danny Manning, who's like a great passer, Hot Rod Williams. I mean, they they just had a real Interesting mix of some, you know, some crafty veterans, you know, McDice, who was an athletic finisher. They also had Rex Chapman, who was kind of fun to watch, who, you know, was uh you know, was reasonably reckless in his three point shooting at the time. So, <laughs> um, I, they, they just were, you know, aesthetically, uh, fun to watch. You know, I, I, they were not, you know, they weren't exceptional in pace. They were like ninth in the league, but, you know, they were up there in offensive, um, Rating or but actually, they were more middling in offensive rating, so I, I they actually probably were like more of a better idea than they than they were necessarily. You know, you would have thought they would have kind of played fast, but they didn't play that super fast. But they still, I, I, I just think with the talent there, that that's a fun team. I mean, obviously, if we're making this choice early in the season, we're not going to know how it's going to be. Obviously, we're not going to know what Steve Nash turns into, too. So it's, it's kind of hard sure, to right, right. judge us without letting future knowledge impact us. But nevertheless, they were um, my uh, number,
0: number one team. Who, who, who was your number one team? I'm gonna with team, and you know, it seems a little disingenuous because, like, they're a team that that, that kind of sucks. Because I mean, obviously, you're doing the league pass, so you, you you're like, oh, you know, I don't need to you know worry too much about what's on you know TNT and TBS and all that and NBC or whatever. I want the teams that I can sort of watch. But one way or another, I'm gonna try to watch the Lakers this year because you know they're probably gonna be on national TV a decent amount. But still, you know, they're they're a team that hasn't been great for for a couple years, so maybe they're not on national TV that much. I, I obviously don't have the national TV you know listings in front of me, but they're a team. I mean, you look at that and and the perfect blend of you know they're winning by a lot. They have some really fun games. They're playing at a pretty decent pace. Um, their offense is good. It's just all around. I mean, everything that you can kind of check, they're there, and, and, and they're really working. And, and it's actually interesting. I uh, recently fired up. I have a Genesis game. of like NBA Live 1997 or whatever. And I fired it up, and I'm, I'm looking around or whatever, and I go to the season mode, and I looked at, like, you know, 10-year-old me or whatever the hell you – Actually had a, a season going with the Lakers at that time, and I, I was I was like oh so I mean I guess I enjoyed them like I really enjoyed because I was watching this and I was I you know I, was, I I played through halfway of the season or whatever I didn't make any trades I was looking at my team and stuff and I was like oh okay so that was a team that I enjoyed as a kid I really enjoyed them and like you know I'm not a huge Lakers fan on any level so it must have been that I found them exciting at that time so it was kind of cool so I thought they kind of leapt up the list there but uh, yeah they're they're a little interesting because I don't know what the national TV implications are for them but still I'd find a way to watch them no matter what because that's a team that's that's on the rise you got Kobe you know sort of emerging Shaq's doing his thing and and, and a lot of complimentary pieces as well so uh, I'm definitely into the Lakers yeah I mean they've
1: obviously have Eddie Jones you know Nick Van Axel's uh fun to watch uh you know they they, they got you know they're they're deep and talented and you know aesthetically pleasing you know unless you're just hate the Lakers that much but um yeah my number two team was the Timberwolves um You've got, uh, you know, Garnett emerging, obviously, um, you got Stefan Marbury and Tom Gugliotta as like a really, you know, fun, young nucleus. Uh, this is their first year of success. They're finally playing well. And, um, you know that's always enjoyable to you know for that that team you know that, that that suffered quite a while you know since since 89 or 90 whenever they first got came into the league uh they also do they play pretty fast they're seventh in the league in offensive um or they're sort of the third in pace and they're seventh in the league in offensive rating so they're you know um putting the ball in the basket uh they don't quite have like the you know necessarily any you know particularly great passers um on that team, they do have Terry Porter's a backup point guard, but they don't have like a you know they weren't necessarily known for their uh, for their passing. I, I'm not I'm not studying a, a whole lot of game tape, so maybe on the court it uh, translated more than I than I think it does. But nevertheless, that's always you know a that's always kind of a fun thing of um, you know
0: the idea of league pass of having a young emerging team. They definitely qualify there. Yeah, definitely. My uh, my number two team is, and, and it seems again like uh, you know, depending on national TV or whatever. But if I can, I'm gonna try to watch the Bulls this year, just because it's a team that sort of. They're they're going for history. You're watching, you know, one of the greatest ever, and what could be his last season. We sort of hinted towards this could be it. You know that this is the, the it for that team as well. Like that's your you're, this is your last opportunity to see this team. You know, this team that really the team of the decade, uh, one of the greatest you know teams ever you know assembled or whatever. They're done after this. Pippen's not coming back. Jackson's not coming back. Jordan's not coming back. Robinson's not coming back. So your last opportunity to see them. So yeah, you're gonna see them on national TV a lot. But it's like you if you have a chance to watch this and, and watch greatness while it's happening, you can't miss it. As they're on the path to, to you know win their second. 3p of the decade like yeah you got to watch every game that they have going on whether it's on national tv or not so yeah i mean ron harper is coming back so they're not necessarily that's true right. ron harper yeah. and Kukoc yeah. are, are coming right. back and, and they're bringing in yeah. some uh you know some hot guys from overseas have there's cornell david guys a real baller so this is this oh is yeah, yeah. dragon tarlac yeah. is probably on the way so i mean yeah i don't know not all days are gonna be yeah <laughs> right, they, they might be in championship contender after jordan you know? <laughs> right i mean that guy, it's possibility know? and yeah. and and you know franchises do win titles so it's, it's you yeah yeah you know. If Jerry Krause can assemble, you know, that team, I think he can assemble another team, too, you know. Right.
1: Yeah, I I didn't really consider the Bulls just because, you know, they're going to be on national TV so much. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. You're not going to learn a whole lot new about them until the playoffs. I mean, I I totally get your idea especially if you're a Bulls fan if obviously you want to see history you you know you you have a pretty definite idea that they're not gonna run it back again so it's yeah yeah. I mean you would take that opportunity absolutely but yeah another reason yeah the Lakers would have been on there for me too but I just feel like national tv they're gonna be on there quite a bit and the Sonics and the Pacers were teams I kind of considered also that were not national tv um -hmm. games but yeah for me the last team I picked was uh and I and I I thought about the the Blazers uh you know who obviously. you know they have Sabonis and they have you know a kind of a fun mix of players. You know Kenny Anderson. You know guys who are you know they're they're, they're pretty good team. You know they they have just kind of like a weird mix. Rashids there, so that that would be a fun team to watch. um The the Celtics who are you know as you mentioned you know crazy pace. They do the pressing. You know that's the first year for Ruppertino. A, a lot of players shooting threes. You know they have Antoine Walker. uh they, they got some you know young potential guys like Ron Mercer, or Chauncey Billups. Like they they I bet they would be fun to watch, but they might. Be be a little bit too chaotic you know maybe making too many mistakes like they might be you know almost too fast where the um, you know you know when when you're fast but reckless it's not quite as fun um, the the Hornets you know they have um, Anthony Mason and Vlade and Glenn Rice but they, they kind of play slow and a little bit sluggish so that was less interesting um and, and the Cavs who actually um you know are, are an interesting mix of talent we're going to get into them a little bit more because they have so many young players but they also have like you know seeing Sean Kemp there in his first year seeing Wesley Person um you know Fratello's teams are generally pretty sluggish and slow but they are actually were more m- middle of the pack this year but not quite enough there uh, the team that I did pick was the Wizards um you know you got Rod Strickland and a point guard uh you got Chris Weber um John Howard and then you got you know some guys who like might you know potentially are still like young enough where you might be like okay this might guy might be fun to watch like calbert cheney tracy murray you also have a very young ben wallace and you've God jam god who you know is uh you know gonna be the internet legend uh type stuff so um you know there's a lot of reasons for them they actually you know um they they aren't a great offensive team, they're right right in the middle of the path. They're fourteenth in the league. But you know, they, they play fast enough. Uh they have uh, you know, some of that great passing with Strickland and Weber that I, I think that they would be a, a good team to watch. And they're, they're a team that's been not very good forever, so um, you know, just seeing them and you 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 could talk yourself into them being a team on the rise, which you know be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and, and two teams that I, I, I picked for, you know, very similar reasons. Uh, one is the New Jersey Nets, and they're a team that, you know, had gone through a real rough patch, uh, you know, in the 90s. And, you know, obviously they did, had some decent years with Chuck Daly, but then, uh, you know, he's kind of out. And then Kelly uh, Parry comes in uh, from the college ranks. He has a terrible first year. But by this year, they're starting to get pretty good. I mean, they're starting to emerge a little bit. Fun little team with Keith Van Horn, Sam Cassell, Kerry Kittles, you know, Kendall Gill, Jason Williams, those guys. A lot of guys just sharing the ball. A lot of guys scoring. No real one star. So kind of fun there. And they're, they're playing a pretty fun style, and, and, they're, and they're playing well too. And that's one of the things, too. You're seeing the, the kind of turnaround and seeing, hey, is this Calpar thing going to work? You know, it's, and, and, you know, Jason, I think it's going to. <laughs> I think it's going to work forever. But, uh, yeah, no, you're seeing kind of an emerging team there, a team that's sort of putting it all together a little bit. And then I chose the Spurs as well because obviously you have rookie Tim Duncan. Um, he's coming in with David Robinson. You have obviously the, the, the blip of the year prior where uh, they kind of fell apart, but uh, it was obvious that this was just kind of a sleeping giant. And, you know, once you got another bit of talent on there, uh, they'd be, you know, great. And, and, yeah, they're starting to kind of get it good again. Uh, Duncan's, you know, no, I mean, the guy's ready to go from day one. I mean, he's already scoring a lot. We talked about that on our first episode. Within the first week, he's already dropping 20 and 10. Like, it's nothing. So he's already coming in. He's already emerging. That may be the most exciting and the most aesthetically pleasing team. But it's pretty cool to be able to say, hey, this guy, you know, watch Tim Duck and a guy that's definitely on the pace to be rookie of the year. Uh, seems like an easy choice to be rookie of the year. Teaming up with David Robinson, a little Twin Tower stuff. And a team that, hey, now we got another contender in the West here with this, this Spurs team that's right back at it. And a team that was good throughout the 90s, had one bad year. Now they're back at it with you know the eventual you know what we all assume and and what obviously would become the rookie of the year so they're kind of a fun team too even if the style of play isn't that great but i mean there's not really if you're going for style of play like you said there's really only a few teams it's like the celtics and a few of these other guys but a lot of them don't play well they just play fast and it's like yeah the rest of the league is very slow and very prodding so you just kind of have to find whatever you can uh one way or another and the spurs seem like a pretty fun one for me
1: yeah uh, no I, I i i totally see your reasoning for I, I think we're basically on the same page for the uh, teams it's just yeah like i said this is a pretty sluggish era <clears throat> there's a lot of uh it, the the pickens to a degree are slim i mean there's first fun and interesting teams but as far as you know just the day-to-day like stylistically pleasing basketball this was not the era for uh for, for that for the most part no um, <laughs> So getting into uh, what actually happened in January 98 uh, um we start with um uh, this is more interesting than anything just of, of what might have been the future plans here but the uh the Mavericks um they named Don with two ends the Nelson their director of scouting so the son of the more famous Don Nelson the coach uh he would actually been in Phoenix as an assistant for a few years he was also his dad's assistant in Golden State for a long time so um the idea was that um was that Don with two ends was going to become the head assistant next season and actually take over as head coach in uh, the 2001 season. So he was going to – that was kind of the plan of succession there. Instead, what, what really happened is that um, – Don with two ends be- is, uh, you know, became the uh, general manager of the uh, team and was, uh, you know, was, was still there for a long time. And, of course, Don with the one end had his falling out with Mark Cuban in uh, the, mid, uh, the mid-2000s. the mid And, uh, you know, interesting that the, the plan of succession it was very different from what happened. Not, not yeah. a, I guess, a huge surprise, but interesting there. So, also, Mark Aguirre was named a, a scout for the uh, Mavericks, which I... I which i thought was interesting uh there um you know we're got an upcoming episode on numbers that are that, that were retired and you know omissions and you know uh, interesting facts about that and interestingly mark aguirre's number is not retired for the uh, mavericks and i was we were wondering if maybe the relationship was not good with the organization but at least at one point it was so mm-hmm. we'd we'll love to we'll dig in and, yeah. uh, but i found no, that sure. interesting yeah <clears throat> so our uh our player of the week for the first week in uh, January is Rick Smith, averaging 22 <laughs> points per game and 11 Jesus. rebounds per game. How did Rick and Smith average it, 22 and 11 for a week? I I don't know. You know, be, He was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know. he's fine.
0: Jeez, come on, guys.
1: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you, you seem I'm a little more <laughs> I don't know. About that I, guess I, would I guess. I don't know. I just don't.
0: I just can't imagine yeah. Rick Smith's dropping like 22 and 11 in, there, a, in a week, but that's all don't, right. I do see that. He, okay, have one, well, he must have had like one 60 point, like 30 rebound game that really dropped the
1: week up. Now him, just, him having a 60, 30 game would be <laughs> much more surprising to me than him having 22 and 11 over a week. I don't know that, um, <laughs> that that one would, uh, there are not a whole lot of 60, 30 games in NBA history. I think most of them are by Wilt. So well, obviously um, Smith has,
0: Rick Smith has one. That's, you know,
1: obviously what happened I, here. Obviously what happened Yes, a, uh, a, perhaps, Bigger surprise to me, Greg Ostertag uh, blocked 11 shots in a game against the uh, 76ers. I just can't imagine, you know, usually players have to jump to block shots. I don't, <laughs> I don't recall Ostertag jumping all the time. The Sixers lot, were so. pretty
0: bad, so they may have just ran into him, and then they called it a block. That, that's a distinct possibility. Uh, it,
1: it's, it, is, it is a possibility. That, that's a good point. So, uh, and some... Um, Coaching milestone here for Bill Fitch, the coach of the uh, Clippers. He uh, tied Dick Mata for third on the coaching victory list. uh would pass him in this month. And uh, on the seventh, he, he tied that record and went over the uh, Grizzlies. Although the, the Clippers did not have a whole lot of wins this month, so it might have taken a little while for him to actually pass that record. Uh, he also passed the 2,000 games coach milestone for uh, his uh, career. So uh, so so there you go, Bill Fitch. Not, not a, a season with a whole lot of good things for him. So, you know, just being able to... to um, Uh, pass these milestones is a a nice thing for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, some, some good coming out of the Clippers, but not Not a whole lot. Yeah. Not a whole lot of good there.
1: And, uh, another thing for uh, Dallas, which was interesting, I think we may, we may have mentioned this a little bit, but, uh, before, but yeah, the, the, um, you, Kurt Thomas like broke his ankles like four times in a, in a season. And so he, uh, but you know, he talks about you know he being determined to make you know a, a comeback. And his, his player, his playing career was definitely seemed like it was in jeopardy at this point. He was 25, so he actually was hired as a assistant coach by uh, Don Nelson. So he, uh, it looks like he might be going into uh, that track, So there were some fears of his that you know he, he even says, I know I might not come back as a player, so I manage my money, I don't live like I make a million dollars, live a good life, but I keep my money in the bank and invest it wisely so he's trying to, you know, um, there's some fears here, and it's interesting, you know, what happened with the rest of his career.
0: Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, you know, we're kind of jump ahead is that, you know, we're looking at the, you know, Kurt Thomas's career in a crossroads, and anybody who watches the current NBA knows that, god damn, Kurt Thomas played 15 more seasons after this, so it's, it's kind of funny to see this guy sort of reaching what he thinks might be the end of his career, you know, the, the narrative around it being like well geez it's gonna be really hard for this guy to come back came back and I don't think he really got hurt ever again like he was just kind of old man Kurt Thomas from then on like he lost you know had no athleticism but he dang, hung around the league forever and 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 played pretty well and played a big role in a lot of different teams I mean he was great for the Suns you know in the in uh the mid-2000s as well you know I had some decent runs with, with the Bulls and and the Knicks as well so yeah just interesting that yeah he would have 15 more seasons after this when it really looked like this might be the end of the line for him so uh pretty cool to see him uh, kind of get it together uh, as it did but yeah really awesome too that he became an assistant Coach this year too, and that's just uh, it's unique. But I'd like to see that more, where players just get hurt, and I, I want to see like Kawhi Leonard become an assistant coach for the San Antonio <laughs> sure. Spurs or whatever. Yeah. Like they do that Maybe more. I want, I want that better, more. Yeah, yeah, I want more hurt you know, players yeah. being on the bench in like yeah. management roles for some reason. So sure, uh,
1: sounds fun. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. And yes, the um. So the Rockets. You know, we're gonna get into them a little bit later, but but they're having some struggles this year, and part of it might be because of who's leading their team in block shots.
0: <laughs> yeah, reserve Matt Bullard. Uh, the guy that was once thought, one thought to be only a three-point shooter, he has 14 blocks in this year, which, I mean, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> uh, only injured uh, Kim Olajuwon, he has 31, has more for the Rockets, so he's out, so Matt Boulard is your number one at 14. Um, here's what Matt Bullard said very, uh, he said, I should have had a couple more, but our stats crew missed them. He said this jokingly, I think, as a joke. So, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich says, his defense has really improved since the first time he was with us. I can use him in a lot more situations. Now, um, don't get too excited, Rudy T, because uh, Boulder would not fare well for the remainder of the year he had only nine blocks the remainder of the season and that was mostly propped up by a three block game against minnesota uh he'd registered no blocks in five postseason games and end of the year ranked sixth on the rockets in blocks behind hakeem of course uh clyde drexler kevin willis charles barkley and othella harrington so at this point he's got a lot of blocks but he wouldn't at the end of the year but yeah it speaks to uh some issues with that team and their defense if if matt bullard is uh, leading your team in blocks it's probably not great
1: yeah and black party can't last forever I guess. <laughs> no
0: no yeah hey
1: yeah so um, interesting out of Toronto. Uh, there's uh, th- there's a, a note there that um, tr- Tracy McGrady. They, they feel as though uh, Coach Daryl Walker feels as though he had poor work habits, and um, he had started a couple of uh, games, but then uh, only played in a fi- a minute. Um, against Indiana just the next game later. So, yeah, Walker Scott, he could be a very good basketball player. He could be out of the league in a couple years. It's all up to him. Um, And uh, he had dealt with a uh, foot injury at the beginning. Or I I guess he had a foot injury. I also dealt with a uh, jaw injury at the beginning of the season. So, Um, McGrady asked for a meeting with, um, with Walker and the GM Glenn Grunwald when the coach aired his concerns. I just have to continue to work hard and show what I can do. I, my, my memory of that Butch Walker is that he was, or or, I'm sorry, Dario Walker was that, um, Butch Walker, I think was a coach also at, um, in Toronto. Uh, in Toronto, but yeah, yeah yes, yeah. yeah, that's right. So yes, so maybe I'm thinking of Butchwalker Walker, who was in Toronto. Oh, no, are you thinking, really... Butch Carter. Are we thinking of Butch Carter? Butch Carter, yes. Is there a Butchwalker Walker yeah. that exists somewhere? Or I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, butch... let's, let's find. Out. I'm sure there's a Butchwalker Walker that exists somewhere. But I yeah, know. I mean, probably. So anyway, anyway, so yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for. Oh, is it a songwriter? To... Are you
0: thinking of Butchwalker Walker, uh, singer-songwriter? Lead sure, guitarist I, for the glam metal band South Gang of the uh, late '80s, early '90s. Oh yeah, I'm a huge South Gang fan. So I, that's absolutely. Or what the I was lead vocalist up, so. and guitarist of rock band Marvelous Three from 1997 to
1: 2001. That's probably. Your oh opinion. yeah, I mean, I also big Marvelous <laughs> Three <Fruit> fan. So <laughs> yeah, yes. that, that's probably. Oh, uh, Marvelous mistake on my part. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, so Daryl Walker. Anyway, um, so th- things not going well in Toronto um, either, as we will, uh, we will, we will get to as well. Um. <clears throat> So, um the first uh moving on or er, early in the month, the first uh Sonic's Cavs game since the big uh uh Sean Kemp trade happened, the the Sonics won that one fairly easily. Uh the um basically like the these, least the players from it, like no one seemed to really be talking about it. Hershey Hawkins even said that. No one no one in the locker room has really talked about playing Sean or Cleveland. Uh George Carl said, Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing him. It's been a long time. Um And I thought it was interesting to look at how the uh, Sonics-Bucks-Cavs trade is looking at this point in the uh, season. At the end of... January, the Sonics were thirty-five and ten, leading the league. Um, Vin Baker was named an All Star. Uh, the Cavs uh, twenty-six and eighteen, and uh, that is pretty impressive yeah, because their yeah. their top rotation players um, they they have Wesley Person and Sean Camper. They're really all only experienced players. Other than that, they have Derek Anderson, Brevin Knight, Cedric A- Henderson, the Jonas who are all rookies. Um, actually, all of them were named in the for the rookie game, which is the first time four players from one team had been named for that. And then Bob Sura and, and Vitaly Potapinko, who are all, like, second, third-year players. So that's really, like, be 26 and 18 with, you know, having almost no experience in a team,
0: That that's really impressive, I think. Yeah, and we always talk about the narrative, too, that, like, Sean Kemp immediately got traded and immediately got fat and immediately got bad. And it's like, no, that wasn't that wasn't the case at all. Like, there was a few good years, and, and this is one of them. I mean, this is a good team really propped up a, long, a lot by, you know, Sean Kemp's play. And and that's one of those weird trades that kind of works for both teams. Like, a lot of times people, um, you know, look at who won this trade or whatever. And maybe long-term, you could say one of the two teams— I don't know that anybody really long-term won this trade but at the time right now you look at this and it's yeah the Sonics are, are, are chugging along just as they they were before and the Cavs are a little improved as well so it's kind of cool to see both those teams um get it together pretty well and and and, and have good outlets but yeah we we try to fight the narrative that, that Sean Kemp was not bad immediately he had a few good years with the Cavs It's just yeah once once you know the lockout happened and then really until he went you know obviously to the, the Blazers when it kind of all fell off the the wheels and then the magic and we'll talk about that so yeah absolutely yeah and the
1: Bucks you know they were 500 at this point which they've been 33 and 49 the previous year so terrell brandon and tyrone hill you know all um, playing well Neither made the all-star uh, team um but you know they were definitely i think brandon might have but he had been injured for part of that time but um nevertheless they all it looks like it's working pretty well for all three teams at least at uh, this point we'll check in on that uh, later on in the uh, season as well but um yeah so uh going to january 10th 1998 uh Scottie Pippen is back and it just been a few days ago. There was some articles about like, Oh, we're not really sure when he's coming back. You know, it could going to be a while, you know, it could it could be a few weeks, but yeah, he came back and, uh, Finally, he's uh, Scottie Pippen is back, and, and and you know despite the trade demands, he's playing as a Chicago Bull.
0: Yeah, it's pretty nuts that, that he would do is uh, finally come back. Yeah, the tenth of January, uh, and and the Bulls definitely needed him too. I mean, they were obviously they, they they were doing okay, but it's like they needed that extra little boost that they would get from Pippen. But uh, as we'll see, it, it's it's a year that. Doesn't quite. There's always this weird injury concern with him, and there's always he's never feels like he's 100 healthy at any point during the year. But I mean, obviously he helps them uh, pretty well. They're 24 and 11 through the first 35 games, which again that's like not bad, but it's like the Bulls, you know, they're trying to win their third straight title. They won 72 and, and 69 games the year prior, so it's like you know just winning 56 games, just winning 55 games, that, that's not enough for this team. I mean, this is especially knowing that this is it for them. It's like no, we want to go out on top, like we want to win this last title. So yeah, just being really good wasn't enough. They needed to be great, and and that's. Sort of helped but um What's interesting, though, is that Pippen really had no plans. We've talked about this on numerous episodes as well. He had no plans to return to the Bulls at this point in the season. Numerous times he said he wanted out of Chicago in a halftime interview. Uh, I said, I ain't coming back. I want to be traded. I want to go to Phoenix or LA. You know, we talked, uh, you know, in many other episodes where Ernie Grunfeld at one point just said again, How many times is he going to ask for a trade? Like, you know, Ernie Grunfeld, who was the Knicks president and GM, is just like, I don't care anymore. (laughs) Like, who cares? Somebody, somebody trade for Scottie Pippen. I'm sick of hearing about him getting traded. But yeah, it's been an ongoing saga if he's going to get traded, if he's going to ever, you know, play for the Bulls. See that he plays for the Bulls, and I, we'll, we'll find out. But I feel like a lot of the rumors kind of stopped at that point. It was like, all right, look, like let's just play out these next few months. You'll go, you'll move on. We'll all move on. But let's just maybe do this thing for you know a few more months. Then. We'll, we'll figure it out after that, but yeah, interesting enough, it, it's, it's been a year of drama and saga for, for Pippin and the Bulls, and in some ways it, it won't end, because it's going to be a, a smooth, not smooth sailing the rest of the way, because yeah, as I said, Pippin is kind of, yeah, you know, he's good, he's still having good seasons, but you can definitely tell that his, his body is, is, is not where it needs to be uh, almost this entire season.
1: So next we have um, Steve Smith was named NBA Player of the Week. Averaged twenty six point three points per game, four point seven assists per game, four point three rebounds per game. It's his first Player of the Week award, and finally the uh, stopping the bleeding for the Hawks as they had had a. Um, i think a seven game losing streak after their are started the season 11 or no so they're uh, uh we'll get to where they are at the end of the month but they're finally at least uh not in complete uh, free fall so helping out with that um so um um there, there's a uh, interesting report from uh cnn si jackie McMullen discussed the controversy over two ball which is the all Star Weekend event, uh, replacing the Dunk contest that pit players, uh, a NBA and WNBA players in a shooting contest similar to what the Shooting Stars event would later become. Um, and uh, players uh, mad at the league uh, that the league had not notified them that they were getting rid of it and that they were going to the two ball. And they also felt that the NBA was being used to uh, promote uh, women's basketball, which apparently they resented to s- somewhat. Uh, there there was actually some talk of actually boycotting the uh, event, but they um, all got together and thought maybe that wasn't the best idea. But this is sort of I- I- an interesting look at uh, the perception of the WNBA at the time and also the thought of the... Uh, um, you know, this is a tie, tied in a lot, of course, into the upcoming, you know, labor issues that are going to be, uh, you know, going on with the lockout and all.
0: Yeah, it's, a, again, yet another, you know, <laughs> the, the league and the players are just on different wavelengths at this point. I mean, everything that, almost every decision that's being made is like, you know, the league hate, you know, the players hate it. The, it's just, yeah, you could tell that these two are, they're, they're warring factions right now and something's going to come to a head pretty quickly here.
1: Yeah, so moving on a little bit to um, January 16th, uh, a... Uh, the uh nevada new mexico-based maloof family by the 24 of the uh, sacramento kings uh which is uh gonna have interesting implications of course in the years to uh to follow so um something i hadn't realized is that the um the the rockets had actually been owned by um george maloof who's the father of um of uh of gavin I'm, I'm forgetting the other brother's uh name off the top of my head i don't oh, know if yeah, what you was remember, his name but... yeah oh what
0: was that guy's name oh, yes. uh yes I'll, I'll try it, to i'll figure it out yeah all right uh, yeah. was it just joe was it joe
1: maloof i don't know we we, we should we should know this we, yeah, we let me. We let... try not to speculate on his name no anyway, i think we should we, definitely speculate more uh <laughs> barry no i, I don't know um, <laughs> barry
0: maloof that's it
1: anyway you look it up and i'll i'll describe uh, it was joe it that. was joe Oh, it was Joe, okay. It was Joe oh, okay. and Gavin. Joe and I think Gavin. everybody
0: knew Gavin, though, because that's a cool name. Joe's a stupid name. So. Yeah, there you go. So, anyway, yeah,
1: <laughs> good memory there. But, anyway, the um, so their father, George Maloof, had been the owner of the uh, Rockets, like, in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. And so now the family is back. George had passed on at, at this point, um, I believe, in 1980. So, um, so uh, there are four brothers, but, obviously, Gavin and Joe become the ones who are well-known for owning the Rockets. At this point, it's a minority ownership but they have the they there are options in which they can actually buy out the uh king's ownership at uh, this point so some interesting uh things uh going on uh there uh there's also some talk about maybe they would play a few games in albuquerque and you know there's a a fear that perhaps the team would be moved to um albuquerque or more likely las vegas although there's obviously the uh gambling implications in las vegas that the nba is fearful of at the uh, time um also, uh, from this day, uh, Charles Barkley pleaded not guilty to the uh, charges that he had thrown a bar patron through a uh, window. Um, no trial date was set, but there's a pretrial hearing in early February. So we'll uh, see how um, that goes um, on the uh, on the 18th of um of january uh robert parish is his number is retired double zero uh raised in the uh, fleet center also marked the return of larry berg to uh, boston as the uh, head coach of the indiana pacers His first time uh, coaching there obviously as he's a rookie coach with the uh, pacers i wonder perhaps if a uh, par if there's a video tribute to the, at the <laughs> beginning of the game and parish may have been upset his thunder was stolen you know by uh,
0: his teammate you know that's the dumbest thing ever <laughs> got it <laughs> Definitely, definitely a possibility there. Yeah, definitely. It, 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 you know, just to kind of bring it to the real world, it, it, it reaffirms why I've really disliked Paul Pierce my entire life. <laughs> um,
1: and we have a trade. This is uh, not as exciting a month for trade as it was last time. Oh, month, this, but... oh, I
0: don't know about that. This trade's pretty awesome. Man.
1: <laughs> the Eric Snow is traded from the Sonics oh, to the 76ers for a uh, second round pick. Wow. Yeah, change the change the league, yeah
0: <laughs> the ripples through the league, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, although yeah it's interesting the uh this involves Philly, of course again, and philly does is kind of getting the you know the, kind of some of the core of its guys that we you know will eventually lead it to the uh you know, championship in uh, or the finals in two thousand and one. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, like we,
0: we talked about. I think we talked about in the last episode that like they kept trying to find the complementary piece to Allen Iverson, and little by little, we're like, hey, let's just get guys that like we'll just let Iverson kind of do whatever he wants to do, and we'll fill in the other gaps. Whatever Iverson's not good at, we'll just have these other guys. And it snows obviously a, a, a good passer, a good defender, so it makes a lot of sense that they would bring him in and a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands to you know sort of affect the game a lot of ways. So yeah, we're starting to see them sort of build towards that and and build towards the implication that hey, let's just let Allen Iverson have the ball all the time and that's probably where our most success will come from
1: so uh got a big milestone here of uh chick hearn of the lakers broadcaster announces three thousand consecutive games his, <laughs> his last broadcast that he missed was november 20th 1965 <laughs> yeah, so it's th- 33 years later it's he's unbelievable. uh yeah so so pretty impressive he would he of course would, would still broadcast lakers games for for a few more years into the early 2000s um and uh, I completely forgot about this, but uh, January 20th, Chris Weber was arrested with, uh, charged with assault, marijuana possession, and several tra- traffic offenses after he allegedly resisted police officers who had stopped him on suspicion of speeding. Um, this is according to the Washington Post. Uh, and they apparently had um, uh, pulled him over. The, uh, he was, um, uh, I. I don't see the Washington Post uh, article. I had I had a link to it in front of me, but anyway, it 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 sounds like it was uh, basically it might may have been a driving while black situation, and he happened to have you know there was some there were some drugs in the car or whatever, but it was basically a um, you know. Like, it, it was a, one of those targeting uh, situations. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, yes, he, he was driving a, a luxury uh, vehicle. The, the actual vehicle is not uh, described here. But, um, but, yeah, so, anyway, it was um, – But, it, like, we've talked about, oh, there were several situations of um, – you know, there, 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 of course, there's been a situation, you know, there had been some other guys, you know, Portland, there were some drug issues as a rider, uh, Iverson there who, you know, there, there, there's been a lot of focus, especially in this season on off court behavior. And this is another, you know, um, uh, tarnishing the NBA reputation type thing on these um, issues. So Yeah,
0: exactly, and it's another guy that's sort of a, a quote-unquote emerging star or whatever that's getting into some issues that might be, you know, then the league might be hesitant then to sort of prop him up as, as a guy that, you know, is a future star or a marketable star or whatever. So, yeah, and, and we've seen that, like you said, with, with a guy like Latre, Latrell Sprewell, who obviously probably isn't as, as big of a star, but I, I don't know. Latrell had a pretty good thing, too. Yeah, he was on uh, NBA one year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he was on right. that level or Allen Iverson, as you, as you said before, and a lot of guys, yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of felt like. Like they were, you know, getting every you know new star that was kind of coming, or every a lot of them new emerging stars were all sort of this having issues with the law one way or another, whether you know justified or not, and it put the NBA in a, in a bad spot. And again, like you talk about the warring factions, where the NBA is is their players are sort of being portrayed as as being a certain type of person or certain type of you know whatever and then you have the media sort of looking at it and going oh here we go you know this league's filled with these kind of guys or whatever and so yeah it's, it's again it's that 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 weird awkwardness that's going on in this time in the nba where you know you still having those those old stars of the of the the you know, the yesteryear, and as you said, the guys that really wanted it, and the guys that really liked to play and, and appreciate the game, and then you got these new cats that are just, you know, criminals and all this sort of stuff. So you're seeing that weird, you know, sort of juxtaposition of those two eras, and, and the media is really pouncing on that, too, and, and really playing it up, um, as well in the league would really, in a lot of ways, uh, play it up as well. So, yeah, as we said, more more warring going on between league players, media, executives, all that good stuff. So...
1: so um Moving on a little bit, uh, there's uh, a- Antoine Walker. He's in his uh, second season and he made the All Star game- team, having you know statistically a uh, a nice season. You know, one of the emerging stars of the uh, Celtics, who are you know playing. F- they struggle a bit this month, but playing fairly well in the early on in the Rick Pitino era. Um, and uh, Tina talked about a contract extension. He says, "We're going to sign Antoine. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind. I'd be shocked if he didn't resign. He's like a son to me." Uh, and but later he says. <clears throat> You know, a 100 million dollar contract probably not going to happen. We won't bankrupt the organization. You can't run a business to lose money. Maybe Minnesota can do it. I want to see if Minnesota can make money after it's signed Garnett, Marberry, and Gugliotta. So, <laughs> kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth uh, there. But you, you kind of the uh, you know with the lockout coming and uh, you know the labor issues coming, the sort of the you, you don't hear it like as you know, speaking out that that forcefully anymore when it comes to you know players' money and, and, and
0: mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So yeah, just definitely a weird. Question. Oh yeah, we're gonna sign him, but we really don't want to sign him for a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. hopefully, hopefully right. he'll stay here for you know less than for, he's worth. For peanuts, because, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. How yeah. can we possibly make money as an NBA franchise without you paying know, right. these players? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Uh, all right <laughs> all right Rick yes
1: all right all right fair enough uh, so um, so shaq had an interesting quote as well about uh, uh, penny Hardaway saying that um, you know he, he keeps up with uh, you know newspapers on the, tips the internet believes the media there is reference his former teammate uh, with the idea that he that penny might leave a team his quote is let's put it this way he bought a lot of land there but hasn't started building anything yet so <laughs> interesting thing for him to um, for him to weigh uh, in on but yeah um, Uh, another thing i another another thing that i thought was interesting is uh there's an incident described between mark price who's playing with the uh the magic and uh and steve nash with the suns is that he was so frustrated by nash that price simply grabbed nash after a move in which nash put the ball behind his back and between his legs before taking it to the uh, basket uh so uh, I, I, just, I had never thought of Steve Nash and Mark Price, you know, like ever interacting. Obviously, Price is right like, on the end of his career uh, here. So um, uh, Nash called the um, – said it was the playgrounds of Canada, his move. And he had uh, 16 <laughs> points and 7 shooting and 9 assists. So you know the narrative of, of Nash's career, of course, is that he, he kind of struggled early on before going to um, – you know, the the Mavericks and, you know, becoming the great player that he was. And obviously, you know, even more so once he came back to the Suns. But uh, obviously was, you know, at least showing flashes early on in his uh, career here. So
0: Yeah, a lot of it was playing time. I mean, obviously, I mean, he played yeah. a decent amount. But yeah, I mean, this guy's average, you know, at yeah. the end of the year, we'll look, and he averaged, you know, nine points a game. Uh, not as many as... Assist- he was actually weird. He was more of kind of a... Scorer at this time, you know, he like sort of yeah. emerged later, kind uh, later of a years, role, you know, yeah, 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 and because the, they have a ton of guys that are passing the ball anyway, but yeah, he was actually pretty, like, kind of came in as a, as a pretty decent scorer, uh, pretty decent three point shooter as well. I mean, this guy taking you know two and you know almost over two and a half threes per game, and in this era, that's that's quite a lot. And obviously, we, we'd see it, you know, later, later years, he'd kind of put it together even more. But yeah, it's it's interesting. He's not necessarily as big of an assist guy, but as a pretty good scorer at this point. You know, playing only you know twenty one points a game and scoring nine is 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 pretty good. So yeah, the narrative that he. Just just like was just floating around doing nothing, and Dallas just kind of picked him off out of nowhere or whatever. I mean, no, it wasn't that case. I mean, they did, they had got in press conference and they signed him. Like it's obviously that he wasn't you know some no name guy that they got. I mean, that's always the funny thing where people are like, oh, he came out of nowhere and emerged for Dallas. And it's like, oh no, they had a press conference with him and Dirk standing there. Like you know, if a press conference for some like role bit player. Like you know, they thought he was going to be good, and he ended up being very right. good. So yeah, it worked out yeah. pretty well. Yeah, I mean, dealt with some injuries too. And obviously, the back stuff.
1: You know, I think it started started early in his career and then it tickets until later, but. Mm-hmm. um yeah, so um, we, we talked about uh, you know, Tyrone Hill, one of the acquisitions for uh, the uh, Bucks. Uh, they the Bucks signed him to a five-year 37.5 million dollar contract extension which is uh, uh, an odd time of year to do that uh in january you, you, that i don't know if you you can even do that necessarily with current nba rules but uh the idea that you know, extending him at this point in the season i i thought was a was uh, a, a
0: fascinating thing you don't get to you don't see that too often no and yeah not uh Tarleton hill's really not great either but no, okay. uh yeah. I mean, yeah right yes. right <laughs> But you know, yeah. I, whatever, whatever you want to do, Morgan. Yeah. Maybe,
1: nope. maybe to justify that trade. I don't know, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we can look ahead and know that that didn't it didn't really last very long. I think no, it gone. It, it's gone it, yeah, at no, some no. point in the next year. <laughs> I think but, they traded no. him. So
1: yeah um and uh the NBA fined and reprimanded referee Joe Borgia he so he the the idea is he apparently called a foul on Calbert Chaney um instead of Chris Weber because uh he had told Cheney after calling the foul that he called it on Cheney because it would have been Weber's sixth foul oh uh and then he, he later <laughs> okay. said that he later said that both guys committed the foul and then he just you know in, in your in that case the referee has the discretion of which player to you know to, to call it on you can't call it on both players. Um, and then that the issue was that he was that he just, you know, told Cheney that for whatever reason. Um, but then later replay showed that Cheney wasn't really even like n- that near the play. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh weird uh weird thing for Borgia to do but yeah so
0: what was the line on that anyway. game? Do, do you have any idea what the uh, <laughs> yeah the I don't know one? yeah
1: <laughs>
0: Joe oh boy yeah so that's a good gambling um, name too Joe Borgia I, I'm pretty sure I've said I've made a bet with a guy named Joe Borgia before maybe the same but yeah Joe Borgia but yeah maybe maybe
1: yeah he's uh, definitely always just got like a yes. cigar in so, his mouth
0: it's never lit it's just kind of you know it's just there it's just...
1: yes and uh So, on the 23rd of January, Denver tied the single-season record with 23 straight losses set by the Grizzlies in 1996. So... Ugh. Things not uh going well in uh in Denver, unfortunately. Ugh, God, and
0: they're wearing terrible uniforms too, Pooh brown uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> it's just no. yeah, not, things aren't going it's, well in Denver. That's it, uh... it's
1: it's not it's not good. But uh but the the next day, uh fortunately the uh the Nuggets would uh, finally uh would not break the uh the single season record. They would actually win the uh, next game. Before we get to that though, uh the um uh, Latrell Spreewell is back in the uh, news after a little bit of a uh, absence. Uh, his his arbitration hearing is going to be at the end, of which we'll discuss. But uh, he actually uh, spoke out to publicly to uh, Peter Vesey, and he says, uh, "I realize what a big mistake I make, but it's not as if I'm another O.J. Simpson. Yes, I was wrong, but I didn't kill anybody. I'm not a dog murderer." So, Spreewell, <laughs> uh, I mean to be yeah. fair. He... <laughs> Which is true. He did not kill anyone, right. much less two people. So yeah. Um, now, granted, he may have gotten some. Um, you know, he he may have gotten some treatment as though he was the most evil person in the world. And you know, and and given the scale of things, not quite there. So I, yeah, I get I his point. But maybe missed, not. Yeah.
0: Well, the yeah. end of the yeah. trial, I guess. That, right. You know, maybe maybe not articulated. What do, you, what do you think or not? I mean, he, he, by the court yeah. of the law, you know, didn't. But yeah, that's uh, that's true. That's true. But nevertheless, that he must have been playing when that was going on. So yeah, Action. maybe
1: it's possible. Yeah, but well, he was not playing in the finals,
0: I guess. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, plan, I was gonna but... say, yeah, no,
1: probably Yeah, maybe not, right. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so um. Yeah. So so back to the Nuggets. They after they started two and thirty nine, they finally get the third win. Um, and um. Yeah, yeah. The the Nuggets, you know, they're they're in a situation where they were you'd almost like a a you know what Philly of course would famously do with trust the process. They were. Very much trying to get younger and play the young guys, and, um, you know, they, and, and, you know, build up the salary cap that they have. And, uh, you know, Alan Bristow is their general manager, Bill Hanslick's the uh, coach, and, um, you know, mid-December, there's a you know a quote from Bristow saying, I think if we had six, seven, eight wins now, people would be saying that's okay. We don't want to jeopardize that plan and make change just for uh, change sake. But later on, they uh, do decide to, um, you know, instead of their rookie, Eric Washington, they did try to give some um, minutes for Johnny Newman, and they scale back for Tony Petit and Danny Fortson. Uh, however, Petit and Bobby Jackson do remain starters, so they did they did kind of back off on that after early on in the season, saying, "Hey, you know, we're we're just we're going to stick with the young players no matter what." Um, obviously, you know, no one's that thrilled about them um, going down as the worst team in uh, NBA history, which they're on the pace at the moment. So we're going to have more on this in because there's going to be some big news on this in uh, February. But you know, at least uh, wanted to bring it up here because I do I do think it's important. And it's interesting to uh, you know see how bad things are going. Obviously, they you know kind of were. I don't know exactly forced, but they traded away Antonio McDice, you know, who was their best player. So, uh, you know, they're they're trying to move on from that, but you know, things are not going. But anyway, they 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 beat the uh, Clippers, who are not no great shapes themselves, ninety nine to uh, eighty one to um, break that streak. Actually, did it on the road, um, interestingly enough. So.
0: Yeah, uh, Mike D'Antonio is also an executive there. I think he's the director of player personnel. I believe is, is oh, yeah. his title for the team. So it's kind of fun. And then he, obviously he'd become coach in a, in a few years uh, during the lockout year. He would. Uh be the interim interim coach when uh things didn't uh, didn't go well but yeah it's always fascinating to see these kind of really bad teams and, and and see sort of what their idea was and what they were trying to go for but like you said yeah it was a um sort of an attempt to uh not not tank you know that word wasn't quite around as much anymore but this team wasn't like actively looking to win you know 35 games they were probably okay winning you know nine to eleven yeah games,
1: so. I mean, I, yeah they appeared to be tr- you know they appeared to be trying to be when they were just for so bad that they had no hope of winning so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, uh, the all-star voting is, uh, in and we have, um, in the East, we have Dikembe Mutombo, Grant Hill, Sean Kemp, Michael Jordan, and uh, and Penny Hardaway. In the West, we have Shaquille O'Neal, Carl Malone, Kevin Garnett, Gary Payton, and Kobe Bryant, surprisingly enough. Well, it was a little bit of a surprise at the time, I guess. Uh, he was the uh, youngest starter in All-Star Game history, 19 years, 5 months, 16 days. Um, I believe that he uh, was the first player to be voted in the All-Star Game while not actually starting uh, any games for his team because he was a sixth man for the team. Um and uh, Michael Jordan led all players in votes for a record ninth time. So, um, good to be Mike. Uh, yes, there. Um, we have a uh, a another uh, first time NBA Player of the Week, Jason Williams, who ever of the of the Nets, who averaged eighteen point three points and seventeen point eight rebounds uh, for the uh, Nets. Um, See now, if Latreau wanted to say, not, no, out that right. Yeah, <laughs> Latrell
0: wanted to name drop somebody that actually, you know, I don't know
1: yeah, man. yeah. Well, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't know what's gonna happen. No, yet, he so. should have known. Yeah, yeah, true. He should, he yeah. Uh, so the reserves in uh, the reserves are also chosen for the All Star Game in the West. We have Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Vin Baker, Jason Kidd, and Mitch Richmond. In the East, we have Glenn Rice, Rick Smiths, Reggie Miller, Steve Smith, Antoine Walker, Jason Williams, and Tim Hardaway we have four lakers on the all star team it's the first time i think since the um since the mid 80s where yeah, there was a four of one player on the team. I, I think the Sixers may have done it if I'm not mistaken, but um, e- either way, they, um, it was the first time in, in quite a long time that it happened. And it's fairly, we, I think we looked at this before, but it's fairly rare in NBA history. It's
0: happened, you know, like, uh, you know, half a dozen times or so. And obviously the Warriors in the last couple years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're the, the one team that you could see, but yeah, it's not as, you know, you might think, oh, that's not too big of a deal, but it really is. I mean, it's very, very rare in, in, in history.
1: Yeah. So, um, And we have finally the Latrell Sprewell arbitration hearing, uh, happening, uh, where, you know, some of the warriors players are, uh, are, are looking to, you know, give their versions of what happened. There's some pressure apparently on the players. They feel there's pressure from the front office, not to testify in going on bimbo Coles And Brian Shaw said that they considered declining to testify before the arbitrary, because they feared repercussions from warriors management for siding with Sprewell. So a big mess there, but there's a lot of kind of reporting going on, um, there um with uh you know uh we, obviously with this arbitration hearing going on there, there's a gag order so there there's a um at least the the player the, the sides are not necessarily talking uh, publicly they're kind of trying to downplay johnny cochran's uh involvement there and there's n- notably that spreewell has spruced up his image and retained some uh Labor attorneys for the hearing, trying to get going on there. So, in obviously, Billy Hunter, there's, as we've talked about, the the um, specter of labor negotiations going on as long as this. So, he's avoided kind of uh, mudslinging at the other side, trying to keep the players' union's uh, reputation intact. So, um so yeah, uh, there, there a lot. Of, I I don't think the details of that are really interesting at, at this point. There is a lot going on there, but uh, you kind of get a general sense there. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll dig more into that as the results come in and as you know as the decision comes in. But right now, just basically the hearings are uh, happening, but it's gonna be a while before there's really any uh, huge movement going on. Right. I, I, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um. So. Um, one more thing about the, uh, about the nuggets that I think is interesting. Um, so Brian Winters is a nuggets, uh, assistant and he was actually on the coaching staff for the Grizzlies in 96, where they joined, lost 23 in a row. So so he's on the Brian Winters, yeah. Intensity. yeah. So, uh, his quote is, I hoped I would never have to experience that again. And certainly not this soon, if ever. So yeah, <laughs> not, uh, not great for, uh, for, for Brian Winters, um, uh, speaking of coaches who, um, who are, uh, not necessarily thrilled with how things are going on. Uh, Doug Collins is back. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, how, like Doug Collins loves to just like pop off on and, and say weird things to, uh, the media. So he says, uh, you know, the Pistons are not playing particularly well this year. Uh, and his quote is, after the season is over, I'll ask Mr. Davidson, the, the, um, pistons owner are you satisfied with the direction that the team has said are you happy with me as your coach and then he basically said he would say the same thing to uh, grant hill and uh meanwhile hill not necessarily all that excited you know this is not giving like uh collins a ringing endorsement about uh, being coach he says you have to wait till the end of the season evaluate what's happened and where we want to go and see how the coaching staff fits into that so not necessarily um super excited about um all of uh, about all of
0: that so I'm looking at Brian Winter's career. I mean, you do yeah. not want to hire Brian Winters if you want to be so. So he, uh, so obviously, he was with the Nuggets, as you mentioned. Uh, after the Nuggets, he went to the Golden State Warriors in 1999. They went 19 and 36, uh, 63. Uh, the following season, they went 17 and 65. Uh, it's 2001, 2002. Uh, he actually coached a little bit. He went 13 and 46 after they fired Dave Cowens. Uh, they were 21 and 61. Uh, and then uh, he's out there. Uh, Eric Musselman takes over. So he, uh, but then he emerges. So, so he does. Uh, he does the Indiana Fever for a while. The WNBA. I, I'm, I'm not going to look them up right now. But uh, then in 2013, he emerges with the Charlotte Bobcats and they go 21 and 61. So Fireworks is not seen a lot of winning basketball. I wonder. I'm, now, now I got to check the Indiana Fever. I got to see if the Indiana Fever were any good because if he goes there and they were terrible then i don't know about this brian winters fella but
1: he he was you know played with the bucks during the uh years in which they were pretty good so at least playing career wise he he did okay but yeah the coaching career not so uh uh, how how was he with the fever
0: okay they were all right they were um 16 and 16 this first year with them uh 16 and 18 15 and 19 21 and 13 they made it all the conference semis and then 21 and 13 to conference semis so okay they're all right they're not bad yeah yeah so i guess he saw some winning basketball uh in the last decade of his coaching career so yeah, indeed. So, um, yeah, so uh, a few more notes on,
1: this, on the Sprewell arbitration hearing uh, on the second day, which is the 29th of the month. Um, Sprewell and, and P.J. Colissimo did actually shake hands for the first time and acknowledge each other um, casually. This is according to Craig Sager. And um, and then the three Warriors players did testify, Felton, Spencer, Joe Smith, and Bill Coles did testify before the arbitrator, John Feerick. And uh, some of the assistant coaches also testified. So there's a 12-hour session of a testimony uh, going on um, there. And, um, and yes, yeah, so that, that was kind of the keynotes of what was going on during the, um, during that. And, uh, and with that, we pretty much have the, uh, end of what happened, uh, it, with the end of the month, uh, Shaquille O'Neal was player of the month. He had a, uh, 29 points, 12.8 rebounds, 12, tw- 2.8 blocks. Uh, Larry Rube was coach of the month for the uh, Pacers. We'll get into how that, well, well, they, um, did. So, um, and yeah, the, kind of the, uh, the, the, the best teams, uh, For the month, the uh, Bulls were uh, 13 and 3, the Pacers were 12 and 2, uh, the Spurs were uh, 14 and 3, and the Wolves were uh, 10 and 4. This is the first time they had been. seven games over 500 in their uh, franchise history. So uh, lots of history being made there uh, teams that were struggling. The Rockets are six and 11 with, uh, you know, Keems obviously out with injury. The magic are four and 12 with uh, Penny Hardaway being out for most of that uh, time. Um, we talked about his struggles last month. Uh, the Celtics are six and 10 and the Blazers are six and nine. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, if you look at the bottom of the uh, league, the, um, East teams at the bottom of the East actually played reasonably well. The uh, Sixers were seven and eight, where they'd been seven and 21 before, uh, January began. The Raptors were six and eight, where they'd been four and 26 previously. So they're not necessarily playing well, but at least playing better. Um, you know, Iverson had played particularly pretty well after the, um, Jerry Stackhouse trade. Um, meanwhile, in the West, um, as we mentioned, the Nuggets really struggled. They ended up the month two and fourteen for a four and forty record. Um, the Mavericks were three and eleven for an eight and thirty six record, and the Warriors for the month of one and fourteen with an eight and thirty five record. <laughs> so, uh, and w- we'll get more into this later on as it becomes more apparent. But the the disparity is really interesting between the playoff teams in the West and the non playoff teams. Like there is going to be a, a huge gap between. Um, The quality in teams right now, it's not that vast, but it's going to uh, it's going to get worse as the season
0: goes on. Yeah, you really, I mean, it's starting to emerge now where you have your eight and it's like those eight are definitely in the playoffs and the rest are just like not even close. And and right now, you know, it's only about four game separation or three or four game separation between, you know, the eighth seed and the, and the first team out. And then after that, it really drops off. And as you said, it, as we kind of are going to play out, it's going to drop off so much where it's not even, there's not even a race for the eighth seed. It's just like, you know, the <laughs> teams that are in the playoffs are in and the ones that are not are so far out of it. Whereas the East is a little bit more of a, a big blob in the middle there and a lot of people competing for the last few spots in the playoffs. So they, it's pretty cool to see that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, uh, anything else to talk about for uh, January? Uh, no, I think we're good. Yeah, I'm gonna watch uh, the Royal Rumble, see if Stone Cold can pull it off, and uh, see how this all right, uh, yeah. see how this match works out. I think it's gonna go pretty well for the Undertaker. He's got Kane on his side. Oh now, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, I,
1: yeah. Obviously, I mean, I, I think the, the Kane and Undertaker, you know, their issues are past them. They're never <laughs> right. going to ever they're brothers fight, I mean, fight yeah, again. Brothers yeah. don't fight.
0: I mean, brothers, you know, right? They're, they're, so it's only they, yeah. they
1: had some disagreements, but absolutely, yeah, I, I think it's gonna go. Water great. under we'll, the bridge. We'll, we'll Water see under the bridge. They're all yeah, good now. About it, yeah. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm really pumped Absolutely. to see that. See Ty- Mike Tyson's going to be there too. That'll be pretty cool. See what? Yeah,
1: I, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, th- that'll be That's interesting the baddest too, man on the planet. By I'm the sure way. he won't, you know, make any mistakes by calling any wrestlers by the wrong name <laughs> or something like that. So, <laughs> right. yeah,
0: he won't open a ice cream franchise uh, a few years early. Though. Yes, yeah. no,
1: he definitely won't do that. All right. Well, um, thanks everyone for uh, checking us out. You can uh, follow us at uh, Over and Back uh, NBA and Twitter. You can also follow us at NBA Twenty Years Ago, where we uh, tweet out what's going on for uh, exactly what happened twenty years ago on. Yeah, you get the idea at this point. Um, also, we're on Facebook um, at uh, Over and Back NBA. Um, you can find us at the step back at fansided.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, pretty much any place you want to uh, listen to your podcast. We are there. If you would like to uh, rate and review us on your uh, favorite uh, podcast uh, service, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps people uh, follow us and find us and all the good stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for listening. We're back again soon.